On this day, Thursdays, we generally welcome in Mr. John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association, and today is no different. Hello, John. Good morning, Alex. Thank you for having me today. A few things I wanted to, to chat with you about. Not certainly a new story, and I, I'm sure you probably have experience over the years, but, you know, the big new court in downtown Toronto, this $965 million state-of-the-art facility, 20 years in the making. I mean, they were talking about this thing like when I was a reporter down at 361 University. It was exciting. I, you know, Justice Nordheimer envisioned this thing. It's now built, and, and we can't staff the darn thing. Like, we can't staff it. And so now we're starting to get... Um, you know, stories of cases being dropped, not not just because of judge shortages, but this week uh, or last week, uh, a drunk driving case had to be tossed out, a sex assault had to be tossed out. And, and both cases, John, the judge pointed directly at the Ford government saying, you got to hire some staff, you got to get the clerks in. And, and again, the, the, the police do the work, but we can't get the justice because the court system's broken. Yes, Alex, like this news isn't really surprising to us. You know, we hear this constantly from our members as well, uh, you know, and the people within the court system. Um, you know, we repeatedly said over the years that we have to keep, uh, you know, continually investing in the court system. It's like with a lot of the public services we have now. When we fail to invest properly, um, you know, over the years, uh, this is really kind of where we're reaping what we sowed, uh, unfortunately, with, the, with these underfunding you know, the Crown's office is um, you know, understaffed. I think the court system itself is understaffed. The judges, uh, we need more judges. Well, uh, that, and that's federal jurisdiction. That, that, that in itself is a, is a big problem. But the, but the clerk issue is not new. Like, it was, there was shortages back in the, in the day. So this is not something that's new. It's just, why do we keep, keep having to reach these crises points? Well, that's it. It's the ebb and the flow of, of these hiring processes. I think, to your point... We need to make sure that uh, areas such as the justice system are consistently staffed and they need to plan for um, you know, retirements, for attrition, uh, to make sure we have the right, right number of people constantly, you know, even in policing as well. We're constantly trying to catch up, um, you know, trying to hire people. And it takes a long time, you know, to get someone who understands the court system and how it works. They have to be trained, they have to be staffed, they have to have the experience to yeah, do the job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a clerk, when I say a clerk, we're not like, you have to understand a, a very complicated system. Having said that, um, do you ever have conversations in this particular case of, of staffing at, at these courthouses? This is provincial jurisdiction. Um, I tried to get, uh, you know, the the minister on this thing, Doug Downey, uh, no, don't, doesn't return calls. So you can't get any information. Apparently, I'm told they're hiring. Well, we're doing our part hiring. And part of this, John, has to, you know, there are some games with the unions. You know, some of them just did not want to move. They didn't want to have to drive to work downtown. So there, there are some issues with the unions. But over, over and above all that, it is a provincial area. And if you want to sell yourself as a crime and justice-fighting uh, government, then, then you actually have to deliver. Yeah, and I think that's one of the key pieces is making sure that, uh, you know, we have the right people in the right place. Uh, you know, one of the problems I see, obviously, with the courthouse is downtown. Downtown these days, I'm sure yeah. you know, when you've driven, it's chaotic to be able to drive around downtown right now. Mm-hmm. And I think coming from, uh, you know, Scarborough, from all across GTA, um, you know, to get downtown takes a lot of time. And a lot of people just are not interested in doing that drive. I live downtown. It takes me a lot. It takes me time to go downtown. I don't even go downtown. I mean, the downtown is completely dysfunctional. It doesn't change anything, though. And so um, are, are there conversations that are going to be had? Because the, pro- the frustration I face is that my job is to get answers. You can't get answers. And so you can't hold anyone to account. And so it just, 
um, infuriates me and it should infuriate people to see these court cases being tossed out because it's going to start happening faster and faster and faster. Well, yeah, and, and it's, it's tragic, mostly for the victims of these, yeah. these crimes. Yeah. So these victims, uh, uh, you know, they put their hand up, they come forward, they've given their evidence, uh, given a statement to the police, our officers have investigated, brought it before the courts, and now to be tossed out just because of their lack of space or lack of resources, um, quite honestly, is unreasonable. Uh, you know, we talk about the you know, people getting used to these negative uh, outcomes, mm-hmm. and we normalize these things. We have to make sure that, um, you know, they're brought out front where people hear about them. But most importantly, people have to speak out against them. Yeah. And I think that's one of the key pieces. You know, it's up to the public to make sure, um, you know, the people in power and the governments understand what their expectation is. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy that in, it, after all these years of successive governments kicking cans down the road all, every which way, and to see now all the systems crashing, and it's like, well, you weren't. it's not like you guys weren't warned. Yep, and we're seeing that right now in policing as well. You know, once again, with our response times, you know, as high as yeah. they are, worse and worse. But once again, we have to make sure that um, we have the foresight to look at these situations and actually forecast where there's going to be staffing issues, where are there going to be shortages, mm-hmm. um, you know, and in these jobs. Because they're critical pieces, you know, for, for the citizens here in Toronto, across the province, across Canada, to ensure that people can go about their uh, regular lives in safety. Yeah, I think it's all, and, and, and when you hear people like, oh, there's no point in calling the police because they won't show up. And like when people start to say, oh, there's no point in calling the police because like, what am I going to do? They're not going to show up. When that kind of becomes the, well, we can't rely on the police because they can't get here in time, then we, we've got much, much bigger problems. Absolutely. And, and our members do not want that. You yeah. know, our members are, hey, uh, you call us, we are going to yeah. come. But the reality is it's numbers and staffing. Yeah. Uh, let's talk numbers, um, because the announcement's all grand. $2.8 million in new equipment, new technology, all to help police fight gangs and guns. And then you're like, oh, 120000 for Toronto. Um, what, what is this going to do, John? Like, what will this give your officers to stop gangs and, and guns? Because this, to me, is all talk and no action. Yeah, so the reality here is, uh, is it going to stop the gun and gang violence? Uh, I don't believe so. No. Uh, and you have to understand the way the system's set up. The cameras are not monitored in real time, and they're not accessed by your frontline police officers unless it's kind of some kind of emergency situation or a major event. You know, generally these are used for uh, investigations. Um, so, so let me just ask this because I because I'm sorry. Th- is this money specifically earmarked for uh, cameras? What is this mar- money for? Thing is for the uh, closed circuit yeah. intelligence. Yeah. So those will be in areas where the service and the public have identified. Uh, you know, higher risks of gun and gang violence, mm-hmm. and they've utilized put in those areas. And obviously, they're going to have a, a you know a general deterrence uh, to some degree. But the reality is, you know, even if you have a camera there and someone puts on a, a mask or a hood, you're not going to be able to see who that individual is. Right. So, what's the point? Like, would would you rather the money go somewhere else? I, I think there is some uh, value in the in the public areas. Uh, once again, where we do end up in situations where. Um, you know, some kind of assault or some kind of incident takes place, it gives the investigators a starting point, um, you know, where they can actually go back, review the video, see actually what happened, what transpired, and hopefully pull some additional uh, uh, evidence or some clues from that video. Yeah, I mean, in one case it works, is the court case that we're watching in um, in Windsor, certainly the moments when uh, Mr. Veltman, now accused of murder and terrorism, so the takedown by police and, and all that. So there, there, it does play a role. It's just... 
Sometimes uh, yes. it, it does not, to your point before, if, if all you're going to see is blurry or masked people with nothing. Uh, we cannot let this um, go by because it didn't really uh, go under the radar earlier this, this week, is that we marked this anniversary of the, um, the killing, the murder of, of uh, Constable Andrew Hong. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been just over a year now uh, mm-hmm. since we lost um, you know, and I can tell you, his family obviously is still devastated by by the loss. So is our police and family across uh, Toronto, and I think quite honestly across the province, because it's been a very difficult uh, year for policing in Canada. Um, you know, I don't think a whole lot has changed, quite honestly, um, as far as uh, you know, bail laws and that with the federal government. Unfortunately, you know, we're still seeing violence against police officers, uh, parking enforcement officers. We had three of them assaulted this week including one of them was grabbed around the head and neck and pulled to the ground. And a parking, a parking enforcement. It, it's, it's out of control as far as these situations go. And these officers, they're out there doing their job, doing what the public has asked them to do. And to be treated like that is inconscionable. And I think the you know, credit goes to our investigators because they will go out and they will investigate and they will locate arrest and charge these individuals. By the way, do your enforcement, do the enforcement guys wear camera? Uh, no, they do not have body cameras. Not, do they need no. them? You know, it never hurts. Uh, I, I think they, there's value in those cameras, once again. Uh, I think they do also, um, to some degree, uh, curtail some people's uh, actions when they deal with, with our officers. Uh, you know, when they are being filmed, you know, they know there's going to be a record of the way they're acting. But they don't work all the time. That's yeah. the reality of it. And they're not going to keep people safe, um, you know, 100% of the time. Yeah, true. Uh, nonetheless, John, appreciate it very much. And we'll chat again. Great. Thank you very much, Alex. Take care and have a great day. You as well. That is Mr. John Reed joining us here from the Police Association.